gonna look twice at you Until I see the Christ in you Welcome to our faith walking meditation We are uh, this week exploring uh, again this idea of obedience uh, in this case obedience and love that uh, we finish our conversations on discernment and discernment brought brought this uh, topic of obedience and um, we were uh, considering that last week and considering the connection between discernment and obedience and we see that the, the fruit of discernment is obedience right so today we want to talk about uh, obedience and love and uh, I am reminded of how much this is a topic that is very close to my heart um, I uh, remember taking some classes the first classes ever that I took on kind of Bible <laughs> to community college and I did it as an adult here in the United States I was 30 years old and it was a, a First, you know, kind of a conversation about uh, about uh, learning to study the Bible, and we had a, war, a, a final paper to, to present. And I remember I was uh, always attracted and intrigued by this idea of obedience and love, obedience and love. So he brought a lot of memories of, of that paper many years ago. So here are some ideas I want to share with you. Really, I think this is more a dialogue more than trying to, to teach something, but bringing uh, some conversation to the table. So um, the goal of discernment is intimacy and obedience. We talked about that last week. Um, is this intimacy and obedience a good definition of love? There's a question mark there, right? So uh, is, is this what we can call love. And by the way, love is pretty hard and complex to define. Yes, we can go to 1 Corinthians 13 and find, you know, a very good definition of love. And it really is challenging. Uh, it's, it's a definition that will uh, sit, uh, help us sit with our thoughts for some time. Um, but, you know, we leave uh, trying to define this idea of love. What about intimacy and obedience, especially in the context of spirituality, right? Uh, we use love in a way that is super generic, right? We love uh, movies or we love uh, food or we love people uh, and then we love people and then we love specifically people and then call, God calls us to love and for sure we are using that term in very different ways, right? So it's just the awareness of that. But as we consider love in a uh, spiritual aspect as part of our spiritual idea, persona, identity, what about to considering love as intimacy and obedience? That's what we're going to explore today. Spirituality is a journey of transformation. We talked about that also last week, um, of eyes that are open to see from God's perspective, what we say formation, deformation, reformation, into the character of Christ. That's a, a way that we define this spiritual formation, especially in faith walking. A transformation is a learning process that is not possible without obedience. We say obedience is transformative. 
right? Uh, also, I feel that we say this often, information is important, necessary. You want a starting point, but it's not sufficient to produce transformation. We need experience. And experience probably is very connected also with obedience, with surrendering, with humbling, with trying that on. We're saying, yes, Lord, okay, you, I agree with you. If, if you think of it, there is a learning process. Most of the learning processes, there might be one that is not, but most of the learning process, processes are processes of humility, of curiosity, of surrendering to something in order to learn. And sometimes even surrendering to a teacher, to a mentor. Um, so let's... Let's just consider that this, this idea of obedience is important for transformation. And I um, have to agree that putting together those two words, obedience and love, might be very triggering for many people, <laughs> right? Very challenging. Because I think many of us uh, have experiences when those two words were put together in a hurtful context, abuse of authority or People told us that they will love us if we obey, only if we obey. So it brings a lot of, uh, I would say, implicit memory. Not explicit memory only. We can probably pinpoint experiences. But when I say implicit memory, it puts on the defensive. You know, the word obedience maybe does it by itself, right? Uh, defensiveness. And if we are talking about the spirituality, that defensiveness has a special way, a special accent, a flavor that has to do with something related to God or his word. So just want to acknowledge that. And as best as we know, uh, we learn to keep those tensions. But I think there is something very powerful to learn about that. So uh, I like this uh, as I give you the, 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 the little line that this is uh, maybe triggers you and gets you defensive. I also love this, this line, the consistent love restores hope. You know, as much as uh, obedience triggers us, uh, hope and love, put it together, consistent love restores hope. I can even say that is behavioral, <laughs> right? You can put that into into uh, the behavior. You know, I, I, I had a client that uh, one time, I think I mentioned this before, uh, she was suffering from betrayal, betrayal trauma. So it's a very big deal. And she showed me a picture of, uh, of a dog, okay? It was her own analogy, not mine, but it was a YouTube video of a dog that has been mistreated and, and traumatized and abused, you could see the dog, right? And when he was rescued, the person that was rescuing it, uh, the dog was attacking, you know, attacking uh, with everything that he had. This person had a, one of those big gloves, right, to protect the hand. But you see, the video was probably about a, a minute and a half or so. But you could see how the dog at the beginning was trying to 
to bite and to attack and ferociously. <laughs> but as this hand was consistent, and this is a mini example, okay, it was just really good for, for that. Uh, and even the dog was biting this glove, but the hand was not attacking, but it was inviting. After a minute and a half, you see how the dog changed. Oh my gosh, it's, it was powerful. And the dog changed the, the, the attack and the anger and the violence into pain. You know, the, the, you could see the dog, uh, dog's pain and eventually, you know, into, into wanting to be, uh, to be touched by this hand. And you might say that's also trauma. It might. The point is that, uh, behind that, Hopelessness that we find in life. Sometimes uh, we find uh, that the only cure of that is consistent love. Okay, let me let me start now with this. This is a quote Thomas Merton that puts it this way: "The man who is not afraid to admit everything that he sees to be wrong with himself, and yet recognizes that he may be the object of God's love." precisely because of his shortcomings, can begin to be sincere. His sincerity is based on confidence, not in his own illusions about himself, but in the endless and failing mercy of God. There's a lot that is said in this line. In my own words, you know, when uh, a person starts stopping that fear, that, that false self, that trying to pretend that he is not good enough, is <laughs> able to recognize his own shortcomings or her own shortcomings uh, and finds that the love of God is not at stake, right? The love of God is not withdrawn from him or from her that actually it is offered, you know, in spite of, of, of these, these shortcomings, this person, man and woman, can start to be sincere. That is the beginning of transformation. Without that sincerity, everything is a, is, is a play, like in theater, right? Everything is like trying to pretend. All, everything is false self, and even religious false self. Prayerful, false self. <laughs> so, if you can understand that probably in the context of spirituality, it's pretty high. I mean, that's a, Thomas Merton is pointing to something very profound and spiritually. But um, when you uh, talk about people uh, in a lower level who are dealing with addiction, who are dealing with, uh, with stuff, you see the difference when they start having an experience of people not judging them, not withdrawing from them, not punishing them. Uh, when they admit their, their shortcomings, there is something that starts changing. That person can start to be sincere. Have lots of, of, of stories of that. I have another client that ambivalence and resistance to, to tell anybody about his struggles made, uh, we call it a, it was uh, therapy interfering, okay? It was interfering. So he will tell me as a therapist 
but uh, he will not tell anybody else. Any any suggestion about you know participating in a group was too much, and the reaction is attack. Er, I don't want to do that. Er, I have ten reasons for doesn't work with me. And you know you you don't attack. You, you don't use the same attack, the same energy to change, but staying and staying and eventually you know this is the work of God, not of the therapist, but there is a friend who's struggling with the same thing and they dare to talk about it together and he discovers that he's not alone. And you can see how that movement starts to take place. And uh, if that happens between human beings, imagine what is this with God? What will happen with God? Okay, very few points. Uh, the love of God is the first love given to us ever. Do you believe that? Beyond the, beyond the theology, that is important. But do you believe? Does your soul believe that the first love? Or are you still ruled by the law? No, you know, we were punished. We were excluded from the garden uh, when we sin and all that is true, but do you have a space to understand that the love of God is the first love? Starting point, beginning, Genesis. Um, this love of God is reciprocated when our spirits awaken to God's work in us. It's reciprocated when we make the love for God our first love. There's a lot in that <laughs> sentence too. But you have to start with the Genesis. And do, do I dare to believe that God loved me? And there's passages that you can get at, you know, John, First um, John talks about this first love, right? Uh, a, another passage that is, is speaks to me, Simon, you, you know the passage, right? At the end of the book of John, Simon Son of John, do you love me more than this? Right? Is this call of Jesus to, to ask for more? Is he saying, do, do you want to reciprocate this love? I don't judge you. Even in the betrayal, I don't judge you. My love is still here intact. But there is this invitation. Do you want me to make first? To be first in your love. That's what I'm talking about. Beautiful passage, it spoke to me so much when I was coming to, to this awakening of the love of God in my life, that changed my life. A passage of, of uh, life of Jesus in Luke 7. And you know the story, right? That this woman who has a lot of sins and uh, there is uh, uh, some criticism of people around Jesus because she is a prostitute and she's you know, washing Jesus' feet and with her tears and even dry, uh, drying the, the feet of Jesus with her hair. And how in the world this woman is, is polluted? This woman is, is, is dirty. And Jesus answers to those comments, I tell you her sins, and they are many. <laughs> That's not disagreement. That's not a disagreement. Have been forgiven. So she has so, shown me much love. A person who is forgiven little shows only little love. Powerful. She was awakened to the first love she received. And she didn't deserve it. 
you have a story, I have a story. This transforms us. This is learning, and is learning sometimes in suffering. <laughs> because some, some of us, not all of us, that's my case, we need to, we, we, be, we are awake to this love, first love of God through a, a crisis, traumatic event, or situation where we, we face the end of ourselves. So this is the learning that sometimes is in the middle of pain. This is very different, okay, to the self-confidence of my love. Oh, I will go forever with you, Lord Jesus. Uh, that's Peter, right? Saying, I will never betray you. It's very confident. This is a humble love, right? Um, so that is the first thing, but this is the first love. Everything has started in God. And if you want, it started in Genesis. God made us, he thought that it was very good. Do you believe that? If you don't, ask, is this true? Show me, Lord. Start there. It's very hard to move into a serious spiritual journey without that. And I, I believe God is interested. I believe Jesus came to show us that first love. Second point I want to make is that there is a helper, okay? Because the truth is I cannot love. Even when, when, when Jesus is asking Simon or Peter, do you love me? Okay, uh, do you love me more than this? <laughs> I don't know. I can't. You know, I can't. I, I, I want to, but I can't. And here we are. Peter is me. You are Peter. Right? I can't. I'm so little. I, I don't have the capacity to. I want to, but I can't. And the good news is that there is a helper. Just a passage, John 14, 15, 17, Jesus talking to his friends before uh, his death, his crucifixion. Pretty powerful. But this actually is the passage that really spoke to me many years ago. I made the paper that I tell you about this. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. How? <laughs> what? Sounds like my mom when I was disobedient, right? But it's Jesus. What, what's, what's here? If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it's neither, it neither sees him or knows him. Yes, you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. So you may say, I cannot love. I cannot love, Marcos. You really, really try. Welcome to the club, because I can't. I cannot either. But there is a helper. And probably the, the transformative thing is the crisis in me, or the spirit of God is in me. That was, for me, a transformative truth. And that... Yes, I cannot do that, but I believe that that who dwells in me, Spirit of God, Jesus in me, Christ in me, the hope of glory, that that dwells in me can do what I cannot do. And that changes powerfully in many ways. With the 12 step um, tradition of addiction that has helped so many, and it's not 
it's not perfect, but uh, I believe there are so many, even data of, of, of the work of it is helpful. First step is, um, uh, is, is surrendering to this addiction. My life is in chaos, right? And uh, the second is uh, that there is somebody who there is a higher power, somebody that is greater than me. And, and there is this third step that is, if I, I cannot do it, but I surrender to the one who can do it. You know, I'm paraphrasing, but this is kind of this passage. Okay, next point. Uh, I call it the reciprocity of love. Right? The reciprocity of love of God and man. So this is not God loving man, but this is man loving God. Right? The reciprocity of love of God and man is the love that mediates and regulates all other loves. And this is what's new, friends. I truly don't know how to love well anything <laughs> until I am mediated by the love of God. As I read sometimes news uh, in the past or in the present, uh, you know, I, I'm aware to terrible realities. Sometimes of, of things that are my gosh, make me feel a little bit hopeless for a human race sometimes. But uh, then I can read also the, the stories of amazing stories. And what is the difference? I believe the difference is that there is a love that is mediated by God in the case of the stories of sacrifice. And, and we need good news. <laughs> we do. Right? I cannot relate well with Julie. Because if I am not mediated by the love of God, I become terrible. I demand from Julie things. Julie is my wife, by the way, that Julie cannot give me. I demand an understanding that she cannot give me. I demand uh, that she even uh, give me affirmation that she cannot give me. I demand. <laughs> And it is unfair because I cannot. She was not designed to, to do that, to, to give me that. I say it this way, when, when I, I come home without the mediation of having been the gospel, in, in, in the presence of God before entering home, the only thing that I see is the, the bad things around, <laughs> right? If it is messy, if the kids are behaving, oh, it's horrible. And I became a dictator. Right. But when I am able to stop in that place, because I, I, I'm needy too, right? I wanted to come home. I need a home. I need rest. Okay, yes, my, my needs also work. But that is the mediation. God says before entering home, enter me. Come to me. Because, Marcos, I know that you are so needy. You need that somebody calls you, calls you your, your real name, tells you that you, you are the son, you are beloved that you're enough, that everything is okay. You, you need that. I want to give you that. From that place, you can move on to, to you go to your house and you're going to enter your house in a very different attitude, in an attitude that is going to be of love, of service and encouragement and not of demand. And 
you, you get the point, right? If you if you love your father or mother more than you love me, you are not worthy of being mine. Or if you love your son or daughter more than me, you are not worthy of being mine. Complex words have really good studies about these words, and, but I invite you to consider this. If you don't make that God the first love, it's going to be very hard to find a love that works for the rest. Finally, the reciprocity, reciprocity, excuse me, of the love of God and man is rooted in discernment. I'm referring to discernment as knowing what is God's heart in a given circumstance. Trust or faith in God's love and guidance becomes a choice. The choice becomes behavior, action. This is obedience. I hope you see how, uh, I don't know, the, the logic. In, in the same uh, passage of, of John, Jesus says, Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. That's discernment. God in me manifesting his love for me. You see, that is, is that trust, okay? God is manifesting himself in me. This is the discernment. You know, which first? I don't know. <laughs> which is first? Because obedience, I believe, causes what Jesus is saying, more presence of God in me, more discernment. And when discernment is, there's a reciprocity to discernment through love, that is obedience, there is more presence. More presence calls to more obedience. You see, this is a direction that is very sustainable, friends. And I think the essence of, of, of obedience is, is hidden in that. And you have to, to understand that that word obedience has to be uh, received in a different frame than obedience and punishment. There's another passage there that says whoever, when love is perfect or perfect love, casts out or, or you know, eliminates fear and uh, that's what we that's what we need that's what we seek okay let me finish with this Henry now when Jesus talks about faith he means first of all to trust unreservedly that you are loved so that you can abandon every false way of obtaining love he's talking about the same thing that's why Jesus tells Nicodemus that through faith in the descending love of God, we will be set free from anxiety and violence and will find eternal life. It's a question here of trusting in God's love. It's pretty powerful. Trusting of God's love. First love that mediates of loves with the help of a helper. And that is rooted in this cycle of discernment and obedience. Yeah. So, what are your thoughts? It's it strikes me. I'm thinking 
about in my own life. And, you know, you mentioned, um, you know, we have to start knowing that God loves us. And with knowing, you know, his love is is what we start with. Um, But I think for the longest, even though I've been in church for a long time and even under Bible teaching for a long time, um, but his love that he, that it started with his love for us, it didn't, we weren't taught that. You mentioned how, well, you know, of course, Adam and Eve messed up. And it's almost like that's where it all began <laughs> instead of beginning with God's love. And um, in my own life, I think even though I came to know Jesus in my 20s, um, it still was more like a performance-based thing. You know, I needed to do what good Christians do or I needed to, you know, do, do, do. I needed to do things to, you know, I needed to study. I needed to have a quiet time. And they're all good things, but I was more driven by the performance-based things and serving and all of that. And it's really only been in the last, gosh, not even 10 years, maybe eight years, eight or nine years, um, that I've started to grasp that no, it's all about it's all about his love. I mean, from beginning to end, that's what that's what he is. And sure, there's things that we do to serve him, but um yeah, it's all it's about his love. And I never really thought about the connection with love and obedience. For me, obedience does bring up ne- negative connotations. And um but it makes sense because we know that it's experience that results in transformation. Well, the experience is, you know, driven by our obedience. I had just never put that, I had never put that together before. So that's, that's helpful. Yeah. Thank you, Trace. I have to think about this because for me too, obedience does have negative connotations. It's it's not always doing it for the doing the right doing it for the right reasons, um, and and so combining it with love is is just something I've never thought of before. I have to think about that um, because I know, yeah. If I'm if I'm concerned about doing what's doing what's right is it is it for the right motives is it because i want to look good in doing what's right um and even if nobody else notices is it you know to give myself a pat on the back that oh i've done the right thing um mm-hmm. and then love you know we have we have all these terms that we use to describe it but how do we define it um mm-hmm. You know, the passage from Corinthians describes it beautifully, gives us characteristics of love, but it's not a definition. Um, and I don't, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Judith. And, you know, it's, it's, uh, you're echoing those thoughts that I had, <laughs> and I can remember them years ago when I, I read John 14. Because the one, the one that put it together is Jesus. Right. 
you know, if you love me, you will obey me. Actually, the NIV yeah. is like that. I remember being shocked for the same reasons. What are you talking about? <laughs> so I, I thought a lot about this. And um, it, that is the struggle. And it has to be yours, right? As, uh, right. Well, and the, the obedience Jesus is calling us to isn't a, a string of silly tasks that have to get done. It's not go do the dishes, do the laundry, dust your bedroom, make your bed. It's yeah. love your neighbor. It's love God. Um, yeah. yeah. Trust me. So it's it's a different kind of obedience. Yeah. And, and the truth, you know, in faith walking, uh, I remember we used to have uh, in our first iteration this in, in our three circles, we have changed the language, by the way, right? And uh, right. I'm the one who thinks that we have changed the language because we need to speak. We, we have too much heat against, too much resistance. Two words, I remember. One was the word authenticity, and that was the second. Right? And we still, vulnerability helps, and, and you know, this is probably something that is generally being addressed but the first persistence was the word obedience and part of our mental model now we say alignment with god but the original words were radical obedience yeah and that many people were like okay this is gonna be legalistic and it is not here is where some the the, the dichotomy the the, the paradox the, the the dialectical need to understand this Jesus learned obedience mm-hmm. through the suffering. Jesus had to right. learn obedience, right? And he's the one who calls us into obedience. And in a way, you might say that Jesus' obedience was the outcome of love. So he's putting these words together. He said, I love my father. I, I do everything that I do. I do it out of love and I don't do anything that he does because I love my father because he father loves me and shows me what he's doing so it's mediated by love but you can see in yeah. Jesus I don't say anything out of my own account and and he tells us you are you Marcos are invited into this and that is when you know my limits are like okay but how in the world so it's, it's a journey you, you're right. Make your bed. Uh, don't fool around. You know, be quiet. Be obedient. Maybe it's because we have uh, our obedience, and maybe it's a term problem, has been so mediated by human imperfect love. Right. That we don't have access to understand that word. But... I will end with this, but I believe that if you take the word obedience away, you also lose something. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. Because obedience is not just feel good and be okay. Obedience was costly Mm -hmm. and hard and and, and the cross. Sacrifice. Ah, So we, I don't know, the only place where I found some of these things uh, a little bit more tangible is in the, the raising of children. <laughs> it's very good. For uh, sure. <laughs> yeah. A lot to think about. A lot, a lot. And uh, I'm very grateful thinking this with you. Mm-hmm. Let me finish as we usually do. 
we don't try to solve the problems now, right? Just to invite you to think and to bring this to the Lord. But as we do, and uh, until we come back, we say this blessing to each other. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Gonna look twice at you Until I see the Christ in you Till I'm looking through the eyes of love Till I'm looking through the eyes of love